You just have to be prepared. I'm Austri Reifer, and you're listening to Good Vibes Sunday, a podcast brought to you by I'm Warhol, the blog. This week, I will be discussing how everything is my fault and everything is your fault. Now, you may not understand what this means now, but as you listen on, you'll definitely get exactly what I mean by this. And as reference, I have just finished a book that has just completely blown my mind, and that is The Third Door by Alex Benayan. Alex was the son of immigrants who had sacrificed everything for their son to be a medical student at USC. At only 18, Alex realized that being a doctor was not his purpose. And so he went out to a library and searched for every book he could find to find answers on entrepreneurship. And he couldn't seem to find the right book for him. He felt like they weren't giving him the answers that he was searching for. And so he decided if there isn't a book out there for me, then I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna write it myself. So he wrote The Third Door, a fantastic story about a young man who pursued his dreams and didn't give up, who persevered and found every single way possible that he could muster to obtain interviews with people such as Bill Gates, Lady Gaga, uh, Warren Buffett, Maya Angelou, Steven Spielberg, Jessica Alba, and so many more. So continue to tune in and I will explain how all of this third door notion and everything's your fault, my fault, all of it ties in to really promote a life that you want to live, that I want to live, that we all want to live and, uh, and find true purpose and happiness in all aspects of life. As always, thank you for tuning in to Good Vibes Sunday. Man, oh man, oh man, is it good to be back. I have been away from Good Vibes Sunday for about a month now and it feels like so much longer and it just it feels real good to be back so if you're tuning in I as always am very appreciative and it's good to have you so for this week I'm going to start off by talking about the book which is a book I just finished and I'm just blown away by this guy I mean this guy Alex Benayan dropped out of college uh, to hunt down and ask legends like Bill Gates, Steven Spielberg, Maya Angelou, and so many more how they accomplished their dreams. So he could share it with millennials, with the young generation, his own generation. And these people's stories, as told in the best-selling book, The Third Door, I mean, just reframe what most consider secrets to success into real human journeys. Like, just the failure and the persistence of each individual person is beyond me. But the best part is, is just Alex's story. You know, he set out to, he was 18 years old when he set out to start this mission. He was supposed to go to school to be a doctor and his parents had high expectations of him, you know, to be a a doctor. They came from, uh, I believe it was Iran. They're Persian immigrants, Jewish Persian immigrants who came to this country really with nothing. And they really had high hopes for their son to be a doctor because they felt like that's the safe thing to do. It's something that no one can take away from him. And he'll always have a job, but there was a bigger picture out there for him. There was a, a purpose out there, which is what I've talked about multiple times on Good Vibes Sunday is really about finding your purpose. And, and I'll go deeper into that later, but 
Alex at 18 realized that his purpose was to be an entrepreneur. And so he went to a library and searched for answers of basically these people that he sought out to later actually interview. But he wanted to know what really made these people successful. You know, what was the juice behind it all? And so he said he couldn't find the right book. You know, it was always either separate books that kind of had scrambled answers or he just couldn't find the book that spoke to his generation. So he felt like if I can't find that book, I'm going to write it myself. And so that's exactly what he did. You know, at 18 years old, he he describes himself as naive and kind of silly and said, you know, I'm going to go and interview all these guys, all these people, women included, uh, who are uberly successful and are masters at what their, you know, trades are. So he thought it would be a lot easier and it really wasn't. It took him about seven years to actually complete the book and go on this mission. And what I love about the book is that he, every time he presented this, this whole idea to each individual, he didn't present it as a book. He presented it as a mission. So he was on a mission to get each person that he had written on a list, which included Lady Gaga, you know, Jessica Alba, Spielberg, etc. He had him on a list and he presented to each and every one of them that he wanted to interview. He said, look, I'm on this mission. You know, I'm going to interview all of these people and I'm going to present this, this knowledge, these secrets to my generation. And everybody who basically was presented with the, with the mission was, I mean, just blown away by it, by this guy's persistence. Um, but it wasn't always that easy. So that's, you have to tune into the book because I'll, I'll go into it deeper a little bit, but it, you have to read this book. It's incredibly inspiring. You know, I always tell Adam is anytime I want something or I want to achieve something, I always say I got to look at, you know, the best of the best. And, you know, and that's the way it should be with anything. You want to see people who have already done it beyond your own expectations of what you can do for yourself because you want to learn from these people. So that's exactly what he did. He reached out to these people who had mastered our legends and, and their trades. And so what's really inspiring, though, is his story. And, and I feel like his story, like just together with everybody else's story that he interviewed, just really shows the human factor because I feel like it applies to every aspect of life, not just entrepreneurship. I feel like a lot of the lessons in this book just show you how to be a good human being, just in general, how to be courageous, how to... Um, Actually, he even talks about the, the difference between fearlessness and courageous. There actually is a difference. But I, I mean, there's just so many lessons that apply to love, to, to family, to parenting, to just every facet of life. So I really encourage you, if you have the time, if you're itching for a book, definitely get the third door. All right. So now you're probably wondering, what does the third door mean? So the third door, the way that Alex describes it, is that there's always three ways in. And this could be in any aspect of life. But especially when you're trying to be successful at something, there's always the three ways in. And society always pushes us to believe that there's only two ways in, which is the first one is, he describes it and kind of compares it to a club. So a nightclub. So you ever see where you go to a nightclub and you always see that line that just wraps around the building and people are just lined up waiting to get in, waiting for their turn. That's one way in. The second way in is the VIP door. And that door is for celebrities. It's for high-end clients. And the way he describes that is basically you're born into it. So it's just like life. You know, sometimes you're either born into it. And he says that society wants us to believe that there's only those two ways. You're either born into it or you wait your turn. But then he says 
there's a third door. And that door is around the back. You know, you've got to jump out of line, run through an alley, probably pound on the door 50 times, uh, run through the kitchen, you know, go through janitors, entrances, etc. I mean, it takes a lot more work. You got to be a lot more uh, courageous to do this. And you have a higher risk of probably failing and getting caught to really get in there. But, but at the end of the day, the whole message is that there's always a way. There's always a third door. So, you know, when it comes to even Maya Angelou and it comes to Spielberg, for example, on the surface, these two people couldn't be more different. But in reality, what he figured out after interviewing all these people and going through this whole mission is they realized that at the core of it all, this whole human factor is that they all took the third door. So this kid, Alex, uh, in the book, you know, he describes himself. Let me just give you one example because there's obviously several. I mean, this was years and years of his journey really trying to accomplish this mission. But he ran through a grocery store screaming for uh, Larry King to come and talk to him, for him to just have breakfast with this guy. He actually had the guts to sit there and be like, you know, Larry King, Larry King. I mean, this guy's ballsy, you know, but I I feel like we've all have a similar story in our lives. I feel like we all have that moment where opportunity is just right in front of us. And, and, and we just, we don't know what to do sometimes, you know, and then that's where I feel like that, that third door just really takes apart. So to describe this, it's like, okay, Larry King is there. Does he just wait around for it to happen? So that would be like the first door. Second door would be that he already was somehow introduced to this guy, which wasn't, right? Because let's say he was born into it in a figure of speech. He knew somebody, you know, let's say Alex was already involved in a higher end, uh, you know, I guess you could say crowd and he was introduced. Well, that wasn't the case. So what was his only option was to take that third door to, to take a risk and just yell at the top of his lungs. And it worked out for him. I mean, he actually got to sit down with Larry King over breakfast, which leads me to fearlessness versus courage. Um, So fearlessness, the way that Alex describes it, is like jumping off a cliff without thinking about it. So I've talked about this before, but I feel like in life, at the point that we are today, we are evolving into choice. We We are literally slipping into a time period where now we have a choice. You know, I've talked about this before, but we go back to Martin Luther King, Sir Martin Luther King, where he chose love in the face of hate right? So, so what I'm saying here, if you go back to ancient times or even primitive times, we were in survival mode. We were purely based off of instinct, out of reaction. So, so today we're no longer running away from that saber tooth tiger. We're way more educated than we've ever been. And we have way more outlets to technology, to knowledge, to, to there, where there's no more excuses as to why you're not now choosing to be better, right? So if you're, if you're still stuck in this reactive mindset, then you're always going to fail. You're going to keep, I've talked about this before in our uh, manifestation episode last season, where it goes, just if you keep going by reaction, 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 I mean, life just smacks you upside the head. I mean, it, first it taps you, then it gives you a little nudge, then it comes back and kind of kicks you. Then it just smacks you upside the head until you learn your lesson. I mean, that's just the way it is, you know? But if you choose, if you choose to be better, 
then it just goes by so much smoother. You know, you don't got to get slapped upside the head anymore at that point. So it goes back to this whole theory where it's fearlessness, example, you know, jumping off a cliff without thinking, that's reactive. Now to live in choice is to be courageous, to live with courage, which is acknowledging your fear, analyzing the consequences, and deciding that you care so much about whatever it is that you're trying to decide to do that you still take one step forward in that direction, right? So, so think about it this way. You stop, you're not reacting, you just, you stop. Let's say, for example, you're angry. So you stop, you analyze. I always say this, okay? So if you're going to decide to talk behind someone's back, let's just use that as an example. If you're reactive, you're angry at this person, you're just going to go and talk about their back. I mean, just let's just be real. You're going to go and you're going to not talk about their back, but you're going to talk behind their back, right? You're going to be reactive. You're going to be angry. But if you're in choice, you're going to think about it. You're going to stop. You're going to think, okay, if I say this and it gets out somehow and it comes back around, if this person finds out that I'm saying that, am I prepared You know, you analyze the consequences. Am I prepared to stand behind it? Do I care that this person finds out? And then if you proceed, then that means that you're prepared for it. You've you've taken, you've chosen at that point to, to do it, to go forward in that direction. And so when it comes back around, because it always does, be prepared to stand behind that, right? So be prepared for the heat or then, and if you decide not to, then don't do it. So that, that's the difference between living in choice and living in reaction, which Alex talks about. That is a big deal because I feel like we're just evolved into this new way of life, which is really about choosing your way. And this goes with every facet of life, whether it's in love, whether, whether you're angry at your spouse, you know, when you, when you want to just yell at the top of your lungs. I mean, Adam and I have gotten into pretty heated arguments. Let's be real. And this is something that we've been practicing. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's just about acknowledging, acknowledging whatever emotion that you have and accepting it, accepting it and then analyzing. If I do this, am I okay with the consequences? If I move forward in this action that I'm feeling, this reactive action, you know, are the consequences something I can live with? And let me tell you, this is something that's really hard to do. You know, if it was easy, we'd all be perfect. So no one is ever going to be perfect at this. But the more and more aware that you become, the easier and easier it is to acknowledge when these feelings have come on and how fast it is that you want to react. And once you're aware of that, you're able to actually slow it all down and actually choose, analyze it and choose whatever you want your outcome to be. So to tie this all in, I would love to give another example. So when Adam was done playing baseball, you know, back a few years ago now, or a couple of years ago, gosh, I kind of losing time in my mind. It's a, all kind of getting wrapped up. It feels like it's been forever. Anyway, so once he was finished up with baseball, you know, it was time for us to figure out what's the next step, which direction are we moving? And it was a time where I've talked about this, but I lost my mother figure to cancer. And simultaneously, Adam was done with baseball. Um, We were basically homeless at that point where we had to figure out where to live. And then she passed away. And then we took over her home. And I mean, the list goes on. We went through financial hardship, et cetera. But before we went through the financial hardship, when Adam was done, we had to decide what do we want to do? 
you know, it's over, we need to move forward, what's this next step? So we decided, well, it wasn't that fast, the decision was really a long process, but to really sum it up, I've gone through, it's funny, we, we counted the other day, I've had 21 jobs in my, or no, 20, 22, I've had 22 jobs in my entire life, and none of them of which have lasted more than six months to a year. And I feel like I was always judged because I felt like everybody always told me I was lazy. I was uh, just unmotivated, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it was, a, it was a picture in my head that I had for myself. Everybody told me that's what I was. That's what I believed to be. So I would really get down on myself, felt very insecure about it. And I really thought, gosh, I am pretty freaking lazy, you know? But then I realized that, you know, I really stopped to analyze and I got old enough to really understand the difference between being lazy and doing something that I wasn't happy doing. I, I, it took me a long time, but I really did the work on myself to realize that I was meant to be an entrepreneur. I, once we decided this was the route we wanted to go, then I, I mean, until today, I have, I'm the happiest I have ever been. It's been the hardest job I've ever done. It's taken the most time, but I have been so damn happy doing it. So it just, it fills me. That's how I know I'm on my path of just doing exactly what I should be doing, right? And it can only get better from here because it's just with this passion that's inside, this fire that I have inside of me, it can't, it's never gonna go away. You know, even on the days that are shitty where I'm doing the kind of like the tedious stuff and the boring stuff, that fire within me is what I always go back to. You know, why I started this? Why did I begin this? And I go back to that notion of why did you start Austria? And then that just, it pulls me through every time. And I know it's just all part of the process. So going back to this whole theory about fearlessness and courage is that when Adam and I first started, everybody told us, go get jobs. Go right away, you know, right now. You guys need to go get a job. Austria, you've been working in uh, real estate for a long time, doing all the paperwork. I've worked in offices, corporate, you name it, I've worked it. It was pretty easy for me to go out and get a job. And I said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not getting a job. We're going to wear it. And Adam was, we had this whole planned out. You know, everybody thinks he just went out and got his real estate license because that was just how he fell into it. No, no, that wasn't the, <laughs> that wasn't the plan at all. We sat down right here in our living room and we talked about, we planned out an entire business. You know, we actually started Leone while he was in baseball. We always dreamed of having this, this whole business, but we never knew which direction it would go. We came up with the name, Gosh, about a year or two before we actually started Leone, uh, but we we had no idea in which direction we would go. So when it really came time, we sat down. I remember, and we talked about marketing. We talked about a business plan. We laid everything out, and we dreamt together. <laughs> we dream big. I'll tell you that much. I mean, we dream real big, but we also work real hard. So we decided, no, we're not going to go get regular jobs. We're going to focus 100% on this, on this mission, if you will, uh, no pun intended, but we're going to work on this mission, on this company, this building, this dream that we have. And, and the first step was going to be Adam gets his real estate license. You know, we have steps to come and I'll talk about those as they come. I don't want to, you know, jinx anything, but that's the first step. We calculated everything. 
So we knew it would take, you know, two years to really understand the market in Riverside to really, even though we were born and raised out here, we really, really thought, you know what, we need to understand it to the core. It's going to take time, but we're going to have to sacrifice it. And I knew people weren't going to understand. And I wasn't wrong. People told me you're lazy yet again, of course, right? Reverting back. Um, scrutinized. She's lazy. She doesn't, they're, they're starving. Cause we were, we were, we went through financial hardship. I mean, everything was ruined. We took this risk knowing that everything was going to be ruined and people felt sorry for us, you know, and it was a struggle. It was a battle with everybody because they all felt so bad for us when we didn't feel bad for ourselves at all. We knew we calculated this whole thing. We knew we analyze it. So it goes back to being fearless versus courage. We had courage to do this. We thought it through. We were aware of the consequences. We knew we would go broke. We knew that. We knew we had to dump all our money into this business and growing it and doing all this free work, you know, work without being paid by anybody to do this and to build it. And so we calculated that. And it was a hard decision, especially because we're parents. It was really, really hard, but we leveraged our knowledge of knowing, no, we can do this. We leveraged that fire inside of us that said, no, this is the right path. So we analyzed the consequences and then we stepped in that direction without knowing if it would work or not. We didn't know if this would work. We didn't know if we were crazy. I mean, I questioned myself all the time, but then I always went back to that whole theory of, you know what? Nothing's ever felt so right. So as much as we could have been fearless, which is literally jumping off the cliff without thinking. We could have we could have panicked and said, "No, we need jobs right now. We need food. We need jobs. We need we need to pay for a home. We need all this stuff, and we'll, let's just go get jobs. You know, screw our dreams, screw everything we wanted all our lives. Let's just go get jobs right now, because that's the easy thing to do, right? As most people would think, oh, you're lazy. You don't want to go get a job. No, no, no. It took a lot more guts for us to say, no, we're not going to go get jobs. We're going to give this a real try. We're going to actually go hungry if we have to. We're going to grind through this out together and we're going to do this. And we're going to prove everybody wrong. And most importantly, we're going to prove this to ourselves. Because we're not in it for everybody. We're in it for ourselves. So this leads me to Alex's phrase where he says, turning up the volume on your dream. Turn down the noise. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> I, can, I can explain this. Like, it just, that, that just gets me in the core because that it's so true turn up the volume on your dream turn down the noise so that means turn down the noise of all the skeptics of the people even who love you who are afraid for you you know it's their fear not yours it takes your own courage to get through and to even convince them to show them that this is the right path for you that there is no failing there really is no risk when you know damn for sure in your heart, and your gut, you know, I've talked about this before in the whole episode of purpose, of finding your purpose. When you know something so for sure inside, there is no risk because you're never going to give up. All you have to do is not give up. Just keep going and going and something will give. I promise it always does. It even gets tough when you have that voice in your head because we're all guilty of this. We're human beings where we have that voice in our head that tells us we're not good enough. You know, you're, you're making a mistake, et cetera, et cetera. There's always that voice. You got to tune that shit out. You know, you got you to gotta turn it down. Because the reality of it is, is that that voice in your head is always going to be there. You have to learn to accept it. Say, hi, I see you voice. I got you. 
but I'm good. I'm going to keep going in this direction. I'm going to keep, I'm going to every time, I mean, every single time that I've taken a, a risk or that I, that I've done something that makes me super uncomfortable, especially as a woman, you know, I've gone into situations where I've sat with men even to try to, you know, get deals or to reach out to people that are other entrepreneurs who are men. And it's scary. I'm not going to lie. I'm a woman. Like I feel sometimes like I, I get a little uneasy or afraid. Like what if they reject me? What if they don't respect me? Which has happened. I've been talked to, I've stood there with Adam, you know, talking to men where they're only looking in his direction. They don't speak to me. So it instills a little bit of an insecurity. So what I do now to help me get through that is I acknowledge it. I don't try to fight it. You know, even Alex talks about this. I believe he says it with fear. Um, So he says, you know, accept it, agree with it. Hey, I got you. You know, I got you anxiety or I got you fear or I got you insecurity. You're there. I get you. It's cool. Anybody should probably be insecure in my position. I got it. It's there and just move through it. Move with it almost, right? Don't move against it. Don't push against it. Don't argue with it. It takes way more time and energy to do that. Just accept it. And every time you do it, like he describes it as magic. And I would say the same thing because it's funny. He talked about this and I've done this forever now. And it really works. The moment you agree with whatever bad feeling you have inside, just, just agree with it. And then something just triggers in your head. It just like moves you like, all right, it's good. You got it. And then you move in the direction that you're hoping to move into. Going back to this whole thing about turning down the noise of others, especially, you know, sometimes the people who love us the most, um, they just don't understand because they let their own fears get in the way of our own dreams or our own perceptions or whatever it is. So it fogs our mind, you know, it, it, it puts a lot of pressure and expectation on us. And I, I'll give this example with Adam, for example, I grew up with a family of entrepreneurs. My mother started a record store when she was, she was very young. She came from a foreign country. She started, she was an immigrant at, at 17 years old. She started her record store in LA at 18 years old. And I spent my days there. My father was the same way. He started a body shop and, and was very successful at it. And so I grew up with parents that really just took risks all day long, all the time, hustling and grinding. I mean, I will get into this on another episode, but I raised myself. Like I would walk home from school by myself, five, six, seven, eight, you know, all through elementary school, middle school. And I'd open my own door. I'd cook my own lunch or dinner um, and just wait till they got home. You know, I took care of myself. So really, I grew up very independent, very different than Adam. You know, Adam grew up in a blessed home. I always say, I mean, his parents were amazing. Like they, his mom was stay at home mom. She cooks some dinner. I mean, every day, just really good parents. And his dad was more of an entrepreneur. He, he was, he is a contractor of 35 years plus. Um, but his dad is a little bit more weary. He's different. He's not very much of a risk taker. So when it came to us changing this uh, path that we were on from baseball to being entrepreneurs, they freaked out and they put a lot of pressure on Adam and, and they were very afraid for him. And this isn't to say they don't love him. Of course they love him. They were freaked out because they loved him. But at the same time, that fear really fogged Adam. So I had to push Adam tons, you know, arguments almost. And I feel like 
when we were born with a soulmate or somebody, I feel like every person in our life is here to teach us something. Whether it's to teach us how to be a better person, whether it's to give us options of which, which choices to make, whether good or bad, um, they're always here to teach us. They're here to test us. So I feel like I was placed here to push Adam and I, I push him so much. And so I pushed and I pushed until, because I knew that was in him. You know, everybody from friends to his family to whatever, they always thought to blame me. Uh, you know, this is Austria's dream or Austria wants to flip homes or Austria wants to do this. It's not you. You should go out and get a job, Adam. You should just do this. So I was always the bad guy because I was pushing Adam and it seemed that way. But I, Adam and I have talked about this for years. We've, we've literally, our first date, sat down and talked about homes and renovating them. We have a true passion for this. I mean, it, that's no joke. Like, it's evident. So it's funny to see just how people perceive, you know, it's just the blame is always put on someone else because they can't perceive it as their own son having this entrepreneur spirit because they don't understand it you know so it was very scary and now that we're more successful and we're moving along i think that maybe now they probably see it a little bit better i really don't know for sure but adam has has just really blossomed in the past two years really and i i see him growing and i, and I love the relationship between the pull and the push and just that, that's really what this whole journey is about as humans i feel like we all are here to help each other in some way and that's what the third door is about he talks about how the relationships between people and how the love really because for for my angel or anybody to sit down with this guy and give an 18 year old a chance it just shows that, that, that people really do have the will and the desire to help each other, you know, because I feel like at our core, the answer is always love. So let's go back to Alex uh, Benayan and the third door really quick. And something I kind of want to highlight is how this guy really got started. And, you know, it, I believe it was the question that rose in his head where he said, how did Lady Gaga, um, without having a single out there, I mean, a single hit or anything, how did, you know, Lady Gaga, Spielberg, how did these people, without having any true, you know, they had talent, but, but a lot of people have talent, he says. It's like, how did these guys or women just rise into this stardom, into this legendary position? And what he realized is that each one of them took, obviously, the third door. They all grinded in their way inside, and they actually had an inside man. They found the person that could connect them and to uh, just really getting in. So he talks about that a lot, but he also, when he had this question, he said, all right, well, how am I going to fund this book? At 18, he didn't have any money, so he's like, how am I going to fund this thing? So he, he was, it's like a long story short, but... He was on Facebook one night when he was supposed to be setting for finals and he found this ad where it said we're giving away free tickets to The Price is Right, the show on TV. So this guy literally figured in his head, if I go on the show, <laughs> I can win this thing and I can, you know, win a boat or whatever, which is what he did. He ended up spending that night that he was supposed to be studying for finals studying about how to hack the prices right because he'd only seen the show like once or something like that so he didn't really know how it worked this guy literally goes on the show wins a boat i mean wins the whole thing basically and ends up selling the boat and you know using all that money that he won to basically fund this this mission which is really what got him in the door to begin this whole mission people just 
died over that story. I mean, they kept telling, they're like, tell it again. How'd you get in? Oh, I sold everything that I want on the price is right. So people really do appreciate the grind is what I've realized. What he realized is that people, you know, a lot of times people hold this shame of how they got to the top. People actually rather hear the story about how you got there versus why you're up there already. You know what I mean? It's like somebody being born into it. No, no, no. I want to hear how you got there. It's more interesting to me, all the, all the grind and the, the hoops you had to jump through, that you really had to kick ass to get to where you are. So what I want to relate this to is just social media. Everybody has this perception that everybody's life is perfect, and it's not at all. <laughs> I've yet to meet the person where I've seen their feed and it looks perfect. And then I meet them in life and I kind of, I'm like, you're not like what you like. And it's okay. I'm not judging. It's, it's normal. It's all right. I actually respect them more for it, you know? So understanding that what we see as people's highlights isn't real life. There's always something behind everything. There's always going to be a grind to the point where people have gotten to, right? So when you see that people are at the top, they've either either been born into it or they have actually grind their way up there. And that's the, that's the story that needs to be told. You know, that's the stuff that people could relate to. The grind, the, the real life candid stories that really explain what the human experience is, the journey to get to where they are. I think that's where the respect lies. And I think that's what this guy, Alex, really got from each individual that he, uh, that he interviewed. And from himself. I mean, the story really for me from this book, all of the interviews that he performed were awesome. But what really got to me, what really struck a chord for me was his story. His journey of finding these people, of reaching out, of having the guts to really uh, get himself out there at such a young age and to be so wise from it and just all the lessons that he learned along the way are really, really what set well with me and the reason I'm even talking about this book on my podcast. Because the reality of it is, is that we all have some sort of path that we're on, right? We, you know, you could say, oh, well, Austri, this whole podcast isn't for me because I'm a stay-at-home mom or I do work a nine-to-five job. I'm not an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter It doesn't matter because the lessons that he learns in this book, which are beyond just entrepreneurship. I mean, he talks about his father passing away. He talks about friendship. He talks about parents, his parents. There is something in this book for everybody because it really, if you take these lessons, if you see them for what they are and you strip them down to their bare bones, the way I, I mean, that's probably my motto. I've talked about that a million times. Strip it down to its bare bones. When you take the lesson and you strip it down, then you'll see that you can actually relate these lessons to every aspect of your life, whether it's love, whether it's parenting, whether it's work, whatever it is, you can really strip these down. And at the end of it all, to me, it comes down to empathy. Empathy is really the pathway to love. I'm going to go back to this whole thing of choice and reaction. You can choose to be empathetic. Okay. You can choose to empathize with your kids. You can choose to empathize with someone you're selling something to. The moment that you step outside of your own ass and you put yourself in their shoes, okay? The moment that you step into their shoes, everything changes. The moment that you realize what are their needs? Why are they here? What are they so afraid of? What are they not afraid of? 
What do they love about this place? What do they love about that candy they're trying to eat? Like empathize with these people. And then everything changes, you know, because then you're coming from a place of love. Then you're coming from a place of choice. Now you're choosing to empathize and everything therefore is more clear. But when you're reactive, then you go by the ego, okay? You go by the ego. You go by how you were conditioned, which is what leads me to the way you were brought up. Not everybody was brought up perfect. Even if you think you were brought up perfect, it wasn't good. (laughs) I'll tell you that right now. There's always something that wasn't good about your upbringing. You know, if your parents loved you too much, then damn, they've spoiled you. Because at that point, you feel entitled and you think the whole world needs to love you. And everything is owed to you. And that's bullshit because nothing is owed to anybody. When you get out there in the real world, then you realize nothing is owed to you. No one gives a shit about what you want or what you need. You have to earn it. Everything in this life is earned. Nothing is owed to you. And if it's given to you on a silver platter, you better count your blessings. You better be damn grateful every single day for that. And then acknowledge the things that you're lacking in because you got to go work for those too. So coming from the ego, you know, it goes the other way around too. You've got people who feel sorry for themselves because they were brought up. It's like, I can go back and say, gosh, I raised myself. I, you know, I could hate my parents for that. Like, no. No, I'm so damn happy that I grew up that way because I learned. And is this like something that I just woke up one day and was like, oh, I'm so grateful that that I grew up that way? No, hell no. I, I remember being 18. I remember being young and thinking, you know, gosh, I had such a shitty upbringing or whatever it is. But then compare to what? There's people out there that have it way worse than I do in different countries who are being, you know, slaves or whatever they are being uh, trafficking. There's traffickings there. There's so many people that have it way worse than I do. And I'm sitting here complaining because mommy and daddy are working too much and I had to feed myself. No, you know, I always say this compared to what, you know, we're so conditioned to be so damn overstimulated, you know, like thinking that everything is owed to us and it's not. So when you take those weaknesses and you, you apply them and say, you know what, that made me stronger. It made me who I am today. I'm thankful for that. Right. So if you turn it around, stop pitying yourself, stop feeling sorry for yourself, then you stop coming from a place where it's all ego. It's all ego. Get rid of it. Begin to empathize with anybody that's in front of you, whether you're trying to sell something, whether you're talking and negotiating with your kids, you know, about not having that candy or whatever it is. Empathize with your children. Understand where they're coming from. Because at that point, you can analyze what every step that you have to take is. And then you can see what the results are. You can see them from the beginning. I'm telling you, it works. But when you're in reaction, when you're coming from an ego, you're angry. You're reacting. You're going back to that saber-toothed tiger, you know, primitive times who were chasing you or medieval times where you had to go kill basically to take over your kingdom and all this kind of stuff. Like you're going back to what, like, I thought we were past that. You know, we're, we're way past that, you guys. We're no longer in slavery times. We're, we're so much ahead of that. What's with the hate? What's, where's, where did love go? Where, where did all of this go? We live in choice. If we hate now, it's because we're still living in a reactive time. You know, we're living out of instincts, basically these animal instincts where we just want to survive because we're so scared. I mean, hate comes from fear. Hate comes from fear. Fear of someone taking over something, fear of someone being better than us, fear of not making enough money, whatever it is, that all comes from fear. It comes from hate of losing power. 
So when you are in choice, you go by love and there's no losing in love ever. You can't lose in love. You have, never can. I mean, it's impossible because at that point you're empathizing with people. You're stepping outside of yourself and you're saying, what is this person feeling? And once you do that, you begin to understand the other person. And then what follows is your reactions are no longer existent. Now you're just choosing to be better. You're choosing to be nicer to that person or you're choosing not to be nice, whatever it is. I'm telling you, it doesn't mean like I'm sitting here saying, oh, everything's rosy and peachy. No, but understand that you have the responsibility to analyze what the consequences are of your actions. Everything's your fault. Everything's my fault. So let's go back to that. The title of this podcast is it's your fault. It's my fault. If you live in reaction, that's your fault. If you live in choice, then whatever choices you are making, if you have time to analyze them and you're actually living in choice, whatever those consequences are, they were your choice. So it's your fault. If something goes wrong, it's still your fault, right? Something goes right, it's your fault. It's a good thing. So going into another idea that kind of ties right into everything's our fault. I want to talk about luck because Alex talks about this where he talked to Chi Lu, which is basically the president of Microsoft. And honestly, I can't even go into this whole story. You have to read the book. But this man's story is remarkable. Chi Lu is the person that I'm talking about that Alex interviewed, and he's actually the president of Microsoft. And you've got to read his story in this book. I mean, it's incredible the uh, just the circumstances that he survived past to get to where he is. When Alex asked him, what is your idea of luck? What is your perception on luck? And Chi Lu described it the same way that I described it in one of my podcasts because I got this whole thing about basically luck isn't the way that most people perceive it. Luck is when preparation and opportunity meet which is something that I got from Oprah Winfrey. So Chi Lu describes it in a variation of the same thing. He says, luck is like jumping on a bus. The bus is, will keep coming. So the opportunity is the bus and opportunities are endless. They will keep appearing and appearing and appearing, but whether or not you are prepared to get into that bus, so if you have the right ticket or fare or whatever it is, is what depends on if you're actually gonna get on, right? So if these buses keep coming and coming and you're not prepared, you haven't gotten the right ticket or the right fare, you're never going to get on any bus. They're just going to keep on passing by. And that's why I say that it's our fault. If we're not preparing ourselves for these opportunities, then when they don't happen, you know, most people are shocked and they're like, oh, how, like, why didn't that happen? Or, oh my God, poor me. Like, no, you weren't prepared for it. And, and don't worry, it's going to come again. Maybe not exactly that opportunity, but different ones will always present themselves. You just have to be prepared. Most people live in fear. And I, I always say their fear, the biggest fear on this planet is uncertainty. Um, Alex even talks about this. He says that uncertainty is like a muscle. Oh, I believe it was the founder of Dropbox. I'm sure you know what Dropbox is. <laughs> Dropbox is a pretty big deal, this guy. And he told him, you know, uncertainty is just like a muscle. So 
when you begin to step in a direction of uncertainty, which entrepreneur is uncertainty. I mean, you, there is no middle ground. Like if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, you're living in uncertainty every hundred percent of the time. So what this is, is he says, it's like a muscle. You go to the gym, you go to work out, you have to start with your dumbbells that are, you know, a little lighter right when you're starting. And then you begin to add uh, weight and weight and weight. And he says that when it hurts, when you're in pain, that you're going up a weight class. So that, that's a good thing. You know that it's time to go up a weight class because you're in pain. I mean, it hurts. You're ripping through those muscles. But if it hurts too much, if you pull a muscle, then you've gone too far. Then you're, you're beyond your weight limit. So you need to take it back down, go down in weight. And then you go back and you build your way back up So what this is basically saying is that if you are an entrepreneur, if you're trying to start a business, if you're doing anything that involves uncertainty, understand that there's always going to be baby steps. You know, it's not a one and done. There's always going to be baby steps that you're going to be taking to get to that. And you only get better and better and better, just like a muscle. It doesn't happen overnight. You can look at somebody and be like, oh man, they're so buff. Well, guess what? They went to the gym. You know, and they diet every single day and they work their way up through the weight classes. It didn't just happen overnight. But most people live in fear, especially fear of uncertainty. And I'm going to go back to what Adam and I went through. We went through tough times and, you know, there were so many situations in our business that took a lot of guts, a lot of a whole lot of uncertainty and us deciding that that's in the direction that we wanted to go. So we made the choices to take us in that direction. And I remember family members being so afraid for us. And what I always said was everything is my fault. Okay. So if I say that it's my fault, don't worry about me. If everything fails, it's my fault, right? Because if you come from that place, you no longer have excuses. So if everything does fail, then there's only learning that happens versus self-pity versus why did this happen to me, right? You begin to change, even if you don't deep down believe that it is your fault, but just even saying it out loud, it just begins to, to really change you, to understand that everything is your fault. Everything is my fault. Everything that we go through in life is our fault. And we are responsible for our choices. We are responsible to choose not to live in reaction, but to choose to live in choice, right? It's a choice within a choice. So I'll leave you all with that. I hope that you take the time to really read this book, even if you are not an entrepreneur, even if you are just a stay-at-home mom. You know, it just, it just open your mind to this this gift of real knowledge that really, if you just strip it down, it really does hit every point in everyone's life. Um, And there's always something in it for every single person out there. All right, guys. So I'm glad to be back. I'm a little rusty, but I'm excited to be back. It's going to be a good season. We're going to have real good uh, uh, guest appearances this time. So just stay tuned for that. And as always, if you can subscribe to our podcast on the iTunes app, And uh, we'll see each other next week. Have a happy, happy Sunday. Bye, guys.